say good morning. For those of you who this year, it's been a strange opening to a new year and uh, didn't get a chance to say happy new year, particularly those who are visiting with us online, but we're looking forward to some changes. How do we evaluate last year? Uh, if we were to ask for evaluations, many of them would be negative, wouldn't they? But how do we look at it, look at what happened last year and figure out whether it was good or bad? Some people would look just at their bottom line figure, perhaps in their checkbook. Uh, some would maybe picture it as, well, the stock market was good, so it was a good time to sell my house and downsize. Maybe they did okay. Maybe some uh, had a, uh, a new diet that they went on and lost some weight. Some of us don't even try and lose weight. <clears throat> yeah, I've lost a few pounds and I haven't tried at all. Uh, so as we think of last year, we can the negativity of everything of last year, I'm sure there were some positives. But then if we take the, the look that we just had of the last year in our physical realm, what about in our spiritual realm? How would we measure our spiritual life last year going into this year? How do we measure spiritual growth? Well, some people would measure it by the number of verses they memorized. Some would perhaps measure it by how many times they were in a religious ser a service. Um, of course, those of us who come and sit in the church building, uh, that makes it a much better situation spiritually than sitting at home, doesn't it, in your pajamas and watching it on TV? <laughs> no, we know that isn't true. How do we measure? Do we measure by the number of cups of cold water we gave? How do we measure our spiritual life going on? If we only think about these things, I mention them as things, seems like we all just pretty much fall pretty short. Fall pretty short. This morning we want to turn our attention to one of the I am's of Jesus. And it's found in John 15. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. And I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit of itself 
except it remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I've used this illustration before numbers of years ago. But in our ministry in the Bahamas, every Christmas, we would have a Christmas program where we would invite parents and friends and neighborhoods and so forth to come to our school for a Christmas pageant. And uh, we would build a platform over top of the steps of the boys' dormitory and then have chairs sitting outside, of course it's all outside, uh, outside in, in, in the little parking area, and we would put on a pageant of some kind. And this one year we did the I Am's of Christ. And uh, we had an announcer who would announce each of the I Am's. And so Roscoe would come out and he would say, I am the bread of life. And then we would have recitations, songs, choir, uh, pageant, whatever, some type of thing. And then he'd come out and he'd say, I am the light of the world. And then we would have something about the light of the world and so forth, things going on. And he came out and he said, I am the wine. Now I caught him at our rehearsal. The Bahamians down there, they switched the V's and W's. So when Jesus said, I am the vine, he did not say, I am the wine. So I was able to correct him for the pageant's sake, uh, to correct him uh, before the performance that next night. But uh, Jesus describes himself here to the disciples as being the vine and the father is the caretaker, the husbandman of the garden. And he says to us, when he said to the, to the disciples, I am the vine, that was a, in a sense a very radical statement. Uh, just as we in America have the eagle as our what is it? <laughs> Symbol. Yeah. Couldn't think of the word. All I got was motto, and I knew that wasn't right. Symbol. And uh, for the Israelites, being a vine, being the, the, was, of course, they had a lot of grapes over there. And so it was uh, an important thing. But when Jesus says, I am the vine, he was saying, I am the essence 
I am the essence of the nation of Israel. I am the personification of everything that Israel was created for. That was a very bold statement. But as we read those verses, throughout the verses, Jesus wants his disciples to produce fruit. Paul says in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and suffering, long-suffering. Self-control over our own beings. He didn't say the fruit of the Spirit is attending church, singing in the choir, playing the piano, or the violin, or the guitar, singing a solo, doing a duet, teaching Sunday school. <laughs> he didn't say that, did he? The fruit of the Spirit is not what we do, it's who we are. Who we are. It's important who we are. Now, in the beginning of New Year's, many people used to make, before many people did it, now not too many people do it anymore, but making resolutions. And uh, resolutions are made to be broken, right? <laughs> so I didn't want to abuse that word resolution. So I said uh, in my own notes, here's reminders. Reminders of what God wants for us. Reminder number one is, oh, I did, sorry I didn't put that up there. Remember my role. Remember my role. Now, Jesus emphasized that he is the vine. We are the branches. Jesus told us that we cannot bear fruit apart from him. The fruit comes through the vine. Now, on our street, somebody thought it was a good idea to plant thorn apple trees. Uh, I don't know when they were planted there. They were there when we got there. But uh, they're beautiful trees. They're not big, huge trees. The nice green leaves on them are beautiful. And then we get red berries on them. And then the leaves all fall away, and we've got bare branches with berries, clumps of berries all over them. And this year we had more berries than we've ever had before, I think. And now we sit and we watch the birds come and, and eat the berries. And my, the statement I made as far as the people who thought that it was a good idea to, to plant them there, didn't realize apparently that thorn apples grow 
thorns. <laughs> and right across the street from us is an elementary school. <laughs> Parents drop their kids off right in front of our house. Kids walk up and down our street going to school. So we have to go out and we have to pick up the little branches that have the thorns. And the thorns are only this long. My neighbor had his thorned apple tree taken out because he got it in his foot. <laughs> but the beautiful fruit of those berries on that thorn apple tree would not be there if it wasn't for the vine, where the sustenance comes from, where the, what's needed to produce those fruit come from. The branches, as the branches, we are dependent upon the vine. Now, a person with a kidney problems and has to go through dialysis, and I, I, I bless them for having to go through it. Some of you may have some other things you have to do all the time, uh, the diabetics and so forth, uh, watching your diet, this and that and the other thing. But a lot of times the di dialysis people have to go and they have to have their blood cleansed, cleansed on a regular basis. And I, I, I imagine that becomes a pain uh, in all, every sense. And in some cases maybe they would think, well, I'm doing pretty good. I don't need to go every time. And so they stop going. And they feel good for a little while. But after that, you know what happens inside the body with the blood and so on. And pretty soon they have more troubles than they bargained for. The same way if we become detached from the Lord... We can wither and die spiritually. Remember that he is the king and we are not. He is the one. He is the vine. And you can picture vineyards with the clumps of grapes. The vine provides the sustenance to produce the grapes. When circumstances of life get difficult, he's there for us. We had that last year, and it's still, go still going on, hasn't it? Doesn't, isn't it? The difficulties of last year carrying into this year and maybe carrying on who knows how long. But here we are. God has been good to us. Back in the 70s, there was a popular Christian group that we might say was the founder of, one of the founders of the contemporary Christian music. And the name of their group was called Love Song. I don't remember the group Love Song. I don't know any of their music, but I went on the internet and I called, looked up Love Song and looked up this particular song. 
It's called front seat, back seat. Anybody remember it? I didn't think so. Oh, some of you do. Front street, front, front seat, back seat. Here's the words. I listened to it. I actually went online and listened to it, the music. But I'm not going to sing it, no. I was running from my master, and I tried out every new thing I could find. But my life turned into one disaster. Without the Lord, I almost blew my mind. I went barreling out full speed ahead. I went running every stop sign that I'd see, thinking I'd give the Lord a shortcut. <laughs> but I found out he don't need no help from me. I was sitting in the front seat, trying really hard to be the driver, thinking I was making real good time, but always winding up a late arriver. But now I've been trying out the back seat. And I find it as is a very great relief. Now I'm riding in the back seat and I'm leaving all the driving to the chief. Isn't that true? How what we try to do? We try to be the driver. We try to be the driver to get through this life. And look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. The song may be a little sappy, but uh, <laughs> if God is our pilot, if he's our co-pilot, we better change seats, right? God has to be our, our pilot. So reminder number one is remembering my role. Secondly, we focus on remaining in Christ. Focus on remaining in Christ. Jesus doesn't tell the disciples to produce fruit. What one word is repeated in all those scriptures, those, those eight scriptures I read, what, is there a word in there that just sort of stuck out to you? Remain in yourself. Oh, wait, but that's not right. No. Remain in me. Remain is repeated, I think, what, eight times in there, something like that? Remain in me. And so we don't produce the fruit. Jesus produces the fruit through us. We are to remain close to him. How many of you parents have, when your children were little, and some are still little, but you're in a department store, and you're looking at different things here and there. Now, it's not usually very interesting for the little one to be in a department store where you're looking at clothes. And so you let go of the child to... Look, move the, the things around so you can get a little better look at something and then you're looking he's gone just that quick the child's gone 
He was distracted by something, or she, whichever one. He was distracted by something else, and there it was gone. Now, I saw a picture the other day on the Internet of a child that <laughs> was very cute. Maybe something we need to teach our children. If you get lost in a store or whatever, they showed a picture of this little boy standing on one of the little platforms holding the hand of a mannequin. <laughs> Waiting for mommy to come and find him. <laughs> you know, that was so cute. But you know, sometimes we get so distracted, so easily distracted, that we wander off, away from the vine. Let's not get distracted. In order to remain or to abide, as it says in there, to remain in him, we need to develop discipline. Discipline. First of all, we are to remain in him. We need to make time to be with him. Make time to be with him. Secondly, we need to maintain a constant conversation with him. You know, we can talk to the Lord anytime, can't we? Or do we have to be down beside our bed on our knees? No. When you're walking through the store, when you're walking through outside, when you're playing in the snow, whatever, you can talk to the Lord anytime. Develop these things, these, the, 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 the being with him and the constant conversation. But I think one of the most important things we need to do with the Lord is to listen to him. To listen to him speak to us. He guides us, he directs us in certain distances, certain places. Listen to the whisper of the Spirit of God and trust him. We must focus on remaining in Christ. And then we submit, this is a tough one, submit to God's pruning. Submit to God's Pruning. Pruning determines the health, the taste, and the abundance of the fruit. You ever watch somebody prune a rose bush? Sometimes they'll take that rose bush and they will begin to chop and chop and chop and chop until a little stub is left. And the next time it blossoms, it's more beautiful than it was before. Cutting it back. Cutting it back. Pruning. Now, if I were to do that to the rose bush, it would be dead. It would not blossom after that. It takes the skill and the knowledge of the person during the pruning to know what is going to come afterwards, what I'm going to do with this thing to get it to where I want it to be. 
we must leave the pruning of our lives to God. He prunes us back. You know, sometimes he causes us to get a virus. To put us in a room by ourselves. To spend more time with him. We don't know all the things that happen to us, how God uses them. If he uses those as prunings for us. To let us know where we stand. The owner has to know how much to trim off. Not only how much to trim off, but exactly when to do the trimming. You don't trim a rose bush when it's in full bloom. When it's done its thing, provided what it's growing there for, a certain time of the year, the pruner will take that rose bush and begin to cut it back. Because the person with the shears in his hand knows what is best for that rose bush? Who knows what's best for us? Our Lord, our Savior. The Lord teaches us to depend on Him and to trust His pruning of our lives. God knows so much more than we do. In the book of Hebrews, we're told that we should endure hardship as discipline, as pruning. What God has for us. God desires something more for us than what we want for ourselves. Sometimes we don't understand the word no. Just like when we were children, we couldn't understand the word no. But our parents knew what was best for us, perhaps in saying no. God knows what's best for us. And he knows how to say no. Because he desires more for us than we ourselves know. What does he want to do? He wants to do something more for us. God wants us to develop roots. To develop roots. To allow the nutrients to flow. He wants us to be fruitful. And he wants us to bring him glory. challenge for us for this year. You might want to write this down. I don't have this on the screen. A challenge for this year is to trust the hand that does the pruning. There will be times when we don't understand what that's all about. 
why. But God knows more than we do.